There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Is science getting too big for its boots? The question will irritate many a scientist for whom you really can't get enough of a good thing. An argument that is frequently heard in Western educated and secular circles is that science is the only legitimate form of human inquiry. Coupled with this is the claim that the methods used by scientists are the only legitimate means of gaining knowledge. In recent years, this attitude has come to be described as scientism, although there are other forms of the malady, according to Susan Hack, a world-renowned philosopher who visited Dublin recently. She's particularly concerned about the overinflated claims in neuroscience and the notion, for example, that the mind can be understood simply by examining the brain using modern technology. She also has strong views about the role of philosophy today and the direction universities are taking. I started, though, by asking her about scientism and, first of all, how to define it. I can define it relatively easily, but telling you what that means on the ground is not so easy. Um, simple definition, undue deference to anything and everything scientific. Serious question is, given that the work of the sciences most certainly deserves our respect, what deference is due and what is undue? Um, so all the work goes into unpacking undue. Immediately the notion of scientism gets a lot of scientists' backs up because they say it's a straw man, it's a kind of an ideology that none of them believe in. Not necessarily saying that this is a position mainly mainly or even significantly taken by scientists. There are There is the occasional scientist who I think goes too far. But no, mostly it's an attitude of people outside the sciences, including in philosophy. Okay. Um, so, for example, there have been... It's, it's a recent thing. Um, it comes in waves. I, I guess one of the, the tenets of, of scientism or, or the scientific outlook in that sense is this notion that the only things that really matter are those in the physical world that you can measure and see. Would that be a fair summation or, or that's one kind of bias, perhaps? Well, that's, maybe that's one kind of bias. I don't think it's the only thing that's going on, though. Like, okay, I'm not sure there is a prime thesis of scientism. I think there are many, many, many forms of it. Um, and I think the form you mentioned starts actually with something that's false. That's to say the assumption that the sciences deal only in things that you can see with a naked eye and verify just by looking. Well, that's just false. This is not true of any of the sciences as they presently operate. So it's, I mean, I think in part in large part, scientism is a kind of misunderstanding of how the sciences really work. That's the underlying problem. A misunderstanding of, okay, the misunderstandings of how they've achieved the things they have. That was the problem with anti-science. The problem with science is they don't fully appreciate, for one reason or another, the limitations and the fallibility of the sciences. 
you talk about the the realm of of what's an analyzable or what, what one can analyze either as a philosopher as an, or a scientist and you say all the stuff there is is physical so one might draw a conclusion uh, from that that the the realm of legitimate inquiry is is physical is that mm-hmm. is that what you're getting at that's part of what i'm getting at yes this is in part a matter of my conception of philosophy is not probably the most popular today i guess i'm an old pragmatist that some, somehow I have a 19th century mind. What can I tell you? Uh, <laughs> I don't think philosophy is just about our concepts or just about our language. I think it's about the world. Um, that means I don't think you can do it by pure a priori analysis. You might be able to do it from your armchair because the experience it relies on is ordinary experience we have every day. So you don't actually have to get up and go out and get it, right? because you have it already. But that doesn't mean that what's going on is purely a priori. And that's the essentially the method I use when I try to figure out what's going on with what's, what's peculiar about the human mind. And what strikes me as so, pardon the pun, so horribly wrong-headed about the mind can't be anything but the brain. So it's not, I don't think you need to posit anything non-physical. Okay, I say at one point in tonight's lecture, look, you know, you can look if you like. There are no, there's no Cartesian mental substance. There are no religious ideas up my sleeves. Honest, it's all physical, but it isn't all physics. And no, you can't understand the mind simply by looking at the individual brain. There's a role played by culture which you just miss if you look at it that way which is why when people do look at it that way they end up with such bizarre conclusions like no one believes anything because we can't find these beliefs in the brain how do you measure progress in philosophy i don't know i measure it at all i'm not sure i measure progress in science either i look at it this way science does not progress the sciences do not progress evenly Right. or steadily. Um, it tends to be fits and starts. And you can sometimes, with hindsight, watch someone makes a very important discovery and all of a sudden it opens a million doors and then there's a big rush and a lot of things are found out very quickly. I'm thinking of the time Marshall Nuremberg cracked the first word of the genetic code. Right. That was a huge breakthrough. And once he'd done that, there were a lot of people rushing to work on other parts of the genetic code and which proteins they coded for. Sometimes fields just stagnate. Every now and then they go backwards. But if you look at the sciences as a whole, over their history as a whole, no question, they've made, pro- they've made progress. They've made tremendous progress. Look at philosophy, oh boy, Um, and you don't have the same sense. You get a really sinking feeling about constantly recycled problems. I find that very depressing because I don't think it has to be that way. Why not? I think there can be progress and there has been progress, but there is one very important habit 
that the sciences and scientists generally have that we don't. They build on both on success and on failure. Right? I mean, obviously, they build on success. You manage to do this thing, and that suggests a way of doing solving the next problem, and the solution to that problem suggests a way of solving the next one, and. Somehow the whole culture of the sciences is geared to let's take those opportunities. Um, I think if I had, had one, one phrase to describe the progress of science, it would be nothing succeeds like success. Um, but then science also succeeds sometimes by, ooh, ooh this didn't work. Um, why not? What could have gone wrong? And that can be very helpful too. But the culture of philosophy is not like that. It's so much a matter of wanting to be a name. And it's too easy to make a reputation by doing something flashy. And it's not so easy to make a reputation by building seriously on some step forward that somebody made a hundred years ago. <laughs> um, which is, I, I'm, I'm something of a Peirce scholar. I think Charles Peirce was still remains the best philosophical mind that the United States has ever produced. And I believe he made progress on a number of problems on which we have not been building. On contrary, we've been going backwards because everyone's been starting again somewhere else. And I want just to pick, pick them up by the shoulders and shake them and say, look, go back, look at what he did. <laughs> if, you go, if we start from there, we might get somewhere. But the incentives are all wrong for doing that. That comes to something maybe finally ask you about, and you've spoken about now and again, the, the direction in which universities, third level education is, is going. Um, for instance, there's a particular trend at the moment for teaching the STEM subjects, the science, technology, engineering, maths. Is, is that kind of um, promotion or that trend part of a, a scientific mindset? Or, 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 or what is driving that, do you think? Well... What's driving is a very complicated question. Okay, here is my reaction. There are some people in the humanities who think the appropriate response is to get hot under the collar and to argue as vigorously as you can. You know, a degree in, I don't know, Sanskrit or ancient history or, dare I say it, in philosophy is really an excellent qualification for the job market and nobody should be worried about this. I'm not inclined to join them. I think that's, um, you know, it's a very, very hard case to make. It's not my experience, for example, that philosophy majors even write better than science majors. So, I mean, I think that's whistling in the dark, frankly. Um, what I think we need to do is to think hard about what universities are for. Right? I mean, I would not assume that their sole purpose is to prepare students for the job market, for example. Um, I would be inclined to say, in fact, trying to anticipate what the job market will demand in five, five years down the road is a very dangerous business. Part of what's tricky about US universities, part of what makes this problem acute, is it's pretty much essential 
to getting what you or I would call a decent job to have a degree from a university, an undergraduate degree. I don't think that many of these decent jobs actually require such a degree, but it's required to get the job even though it's not needed to do the job. Um, so it's not clear to me that part of the problem isn't the idea everybody really ought to go to university. I'm not sure that's right. Certainly, it's, you know, I have a lot of students who are smart, capable, whom I can imagine doing a fine job in all kinds of fields, but they're just not academic. And basically, they, they have to do this to get a decent job. I'm not sure that's a good idea. So one of the things I would be inclined to do is put the money into the high schools, which are many of them just dreadful. So I'm not sure that we're thinking about education and the role of the different levels right at all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.